Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Dear Writer. Today we are recording episode 76, which is going to be all about weaving and backstory. And as always, I'm very excited about the topic because, I don't know, I feel like I always say I'm just like so excited (laughs) to talk about the topic, but let's be real, it's all exciting when it's writing (laughs) because that's what we're here for. (laughs) So you're in a very good mood, Sarah? am in a good mood today. I was going to say backstory has lots to do with character and you all know Sarah and I love character. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. This is true. It does have a lot to do with character. But before we do that, we should give you all a writing update about what we've been up to. So Ashley, how has your writing been going? I feel like I've been back on track a little bit after you know, being quite busy and not finding too much time to write. I'm well over 2,000 words into my next chapter, so I think it should be done fairly soon. So I'm happy with that. And I feel like I say this, well, almost every podcast, but it feels like we're finally getting close to finishing the Ancient Greece book. The end's in sight. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? How has your writing been this month? It's been pretty similar from the perspective that I do feel like I've gotten back on track for the last little while. I have been much more productive, not only with writing, but with cleaning the house, like you name it, the <laughs> podcast episodes, like everything's kind of falling back into place. So I'm really happy about that. Managed to write not as quite as much as Ashley, like about a thousand words. I do find that the chapter that I'm writing has been quite challenging, despite having more, more motivation and energy to write (laughs) that aspect has not changed but I am excited because as Ashley said we don't have too much more and for the characters that I find difficult after this chapter I only have two more chapters I think from him so I'm really excited about that (laughs) so close so close I realize that the one I'm writing right now is the last Leontiades chapter that I have and I wasn't prepared for that because it's still quite a lot of the book to go so I don't we might need to remedy that at a later point yes yeah I think we had discussed that a little bit earlier about where to slot one in so I think we probably will end up slotting one in yeah I agree I guess we can probably wait till it's done and then find a spot that seems like could be good to have a, a bit of a break from Simon yeah anyways shall we move on to the main discussion yeah So as Sarah mentioned in the introduction, today we're going to be talking about weaving in backstory and the importance of backstory in our novels. I thought we could start with a nice easy question so that like with most of these, we're all on the same page. So what is backstory? So backstory is everything that happened to the characters in your novel before the story began. So it's their personal history and It could refer to something that happened a long time ago or just a month ago or just yesterday. But, you know, the key thing is that it happened prior to the novel. So the readers don't know anything about it until you tell them. Yes. 
So a backstory generally encompasses all of the significant events and moments that have shaped the character into who they are at the start of your story. For example, maybe they're hesitant to let people get close to them due to some previous heartbreak that you, you know, tell the readers about at some point. So it's all of those little details uh, that end up making the character who they are. So we all know what we're talking about. And I thought now we could kind of talk about why backstory is first of all important for the author uh, and then I guess why it's important to have in your novel because I think they're both quite interesting like points to have a chat about. So I kind of when I made the notes on this I did it slightly backwards and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say why backstory is important first. You know without backstory I do think that your characters seem quite flat and two-dimensional. No one sort of springs from a hole in the ground or is born from nowhere. So <laughs> characters that don't have a backstory feel quite unrealistic. And as an author, I think it helps you create stronger and more engaging writing because unless you understand your characters and their motivations and their reasons for doing what they do, then you're going to be just as confused as any reader who chances across <laughs> your book. And because of that, characters without a strong backstory can come off as kind of inconsistent. There can be like not so much character flaws, but flaws in the writing that causes confusion because you can't really get a grasp on who the character is. And that can make writing feel like a real struggle as you're going through it as well. How about you, Ashley? I tend to agree. I think as authors, backstory really helps us to get a good grasp and feel for what our characters are like. So their fears and their motivations. And that in turn allows you to I guess, infuse your characters like with that, that with color, <laughs> um, which makes them, you know, feel, have more depth um, and feel more realistic. <laughs> I was going to say as to why it's important in your novel Sarah and I love character and backstory allows us to develop more realistic characters, especially things like how they react in certain situations, how they speak. So their dialogue and also how they deal with relationships as well, because everything that they've been through in their past uh, really affects how all of these, I guess, traits end up being portrayed. And then the more authentic and realistic you make your characters, the more your readers are able to connect with them, which then I think makes your story more dynamic and engaging. So it's kind of all to do with character. Yeah, mostly. Right. So moving on from talking about the importance of backstory to both the author and to the novel, I thought we could talk a little bit about the types of key elements an author should portray in their character's backstory like what are the important things that you know you want to get across to your readers so the key elements are really things that the readers need to know in order to connect with the character and to sympathize with decisions they are making so the more information that your readers have about a character's past the more they are going to understand and feel for your characters, even if they make the wrong decisions. Um, but obviously you can't give the character's entire life story because that, you know, is going to detract from the main plot. And though it's helpful to know as much about your character 
as you can, like yourself as the author, you have to give just enough to offer the illusion to the reader that they know this character deeply. And I think the relevant things in those key elements surface when they're related to a character's decisions. And they definitely don't need to be thrown in all at once or at the beginning of the book. It's always a balancing act to sort of weave it in at the right point, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I know, um, I think it's probably important not to put in too much backstory in those first few pages. Yeah. Right, like you don't want to just start your book with like a massive chunk of backstory. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I think I kind of have mentioned this a little bit further on in the the questions of why you don't want to start with like a huge chunk of backstory but yeah it's it's something that you need to gradually build for realism as well as to keep your readers engaged makes sense I guess for me similar to what Sarah said I think before I jump into the elements that you should portray it obviously should clarify that not all of the backstory needs to go into your novel, but you as the author should have an, like an in-depth knowledge of the backstory, regardless of whether it's being put in the book or not. And there's an art to doing this, I think, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. So for me, I think the author, like with respects to you know, the elements of backstory. I think the author should be able to answer a number of key questions about the character and their backstory. Um, And if you probably, if you can't answer those questions, then you might need to, you know, have a bit more of a think about like who your characters are and some of the events that have shaped them. So the first one is what are the motivations of your characters and why? So they could like, for a random example, they could want to kill the bad guy but like why and why does that mean something to them you know what is has brought them to this point or even you know they don't like this particular thing which is fine but why it it doesn't really work if you're just like they hate the water and you're like well obviously something's happened to them which makes them not want to go in the water things like that I think is important especially when it's like a crux of the novel um, and you know Mm -hmm. hinges on really key decisions that your characters need to make you really need to know like why they would choose to make those decisions and the second question for me was you know, what are they afraid of? And also why are they afraid of it? Because I don't think it's really good giving people random fears for no reason. Um, Usually it stems from things that have happened in their past. So I think it's good to have some sort of background to why they're afraid of these things or why they have aversions to these things. It makes them seem, you know, more, more real. For me, I'm afraid of birds, but that's because I was attacked by birds as, you know, as a child. So there's a reason for my bird fear, I guess. Yeah. And I guess a final thing to think about is what are their skills and abilities and traits and how did they get them? So I was thinking kind of about when the rain falls and we have, for example, Levi, he's very knowledgeable in, you know, weapons and army tactics and stuff, but we did give him a father that is from the army so that it doesn't just feel random that he has these abilities or these traits or these things that, you know, that he's better at than others. Um, So I think that's important as well, thinking about Mm. the things that they bring and not just like feel like you're sprinkling magic dust on them. And you're like, 
this yes. person is amazing at this for no real reason, but they know. <laughs> I definitely uh, agree. Like when my husband, he read, he's read the first chapter. He hasn't read much further and it's actually changed a bit since he read it. But one of his comments that he made was that he liked the fact that Levi and Dylan were off to go hunting. So, you know, like they don't just whip rifles out of nowhere and like know how to use them <laughs> or anything. Uh, you know, they have a little bit of knowledge about weaponry before the war even starts. Um, so like little things like that. And then I, I did want to throw out there, though, before we move on from this question that you have to consider for your protagonist, you, you probably definitely want to give them a fairly large backstory. I think the only times where you would want to hold back a little bit is maybe characters where you don't want the readers to relate because basically the backstory is going to act as a, a device that's going to help your readers sympathize and relate to your characters. So if you say have a villain and then you give them this huge backstory of how they became a villain, like it's interesting from one perspective, but you do want to be a little bit careful about how relatable you make that villain through their backstory because if you want the readers to really hate the villain then sometimes less can be a little bit better <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not saying that like to not have anything and just have like this random evil villain because that doesn't really work either but just be aware that like the more you give the more people are going to be like oh in that case like you know he wasn't really bad he had these really bad experiences and that makes him a really horrible person now, but he's not really a really horrible person. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like, if you start getting that, then you start confusing the reader a little bit of like, who am I actually sort of rooting for here? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I get that. And I guess it really depends what you're wanting to portray from your villain as well mm -hmm. as to like what, how much, I guess it depends how much backstory you end up revealing in the first place. Yeah. And, you know, I know we've mentioned this before, like several times, but, you know, this one character in The Price of Pandemonium, which should be out later this year, we made the clear decision of not to reveal too much more of his actual backstory because we didn't want the readers to, like the, the readers were having the reaction to him that we wanted, the beta readers. They, they didn't like him very much. They could clearly see that he was like a bad influence on like some of our other characters. And we felt that if you kind of developed that too much and gave him a bit more that you were going to end up running into issues of like, Oh, he's not actually such a bad guy and which would lessen the impact. Yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't give the readers the same reaction that we wanted and we'll probably have muddied the waters yeah. a lot with respects to where we needed the plot to go. So it's like quite a conscious choice. So yeah, you can play with backstory that way, but in general, your protagonist, you want them to have that connection. So you definitely need to develop it like a little bit stronger. And I would say that even though you, if you do have a villain like that, that you don't, you want people to dislike and you don't put that much in, you still need to know that, like what their backstory is yourself so that you can, <laughs> yeah realistically portray them yes you just limit how much of it you let the reader into yeah sorry it went off on a 
a villain. No, no, it's all good. So I thought the next thing we could talk about is some of the writing techniques for injecting in backstory. I guess so it's seamless and doesn't feel, you know, overwhelming to your reader. Yeah. And I was really excited when I was like going through the notes and I saw this question. I was like, yes, I actually (laughs) do do it quite purposefully, I feel. I know some people kind of probably take a more natural approach to it. But for me, I do have specific techniques that I use. So I don't use them very often, but the occasional flashback can be really good. I was going to say the same thing. Very rarely, <laughs> but it, there is a, but it, like, they are fun a when you're able to put them in. spot when you can use a flashback, which I think works well. Mm-hmm. And again, the same goes kind of for dreams. Like dreams aren't going to be exactly relating to like their backstory, but there can be elements from their backstory in their dreams. I know I've done that once before, but it's very rare because I hate like when you get a book and you're just like, oh, you know, this is a dream, whatever. Like if you do too much of that, it kind of annoys readers, but a short, like little thing. Yeah. That can work. My current chapter has a dream in it. (laughs) And so dialogue is another favorite. And I want to say, obviously there's lots of times when the character reveals something about themselves through dialogue, but more specifically, I really enjoy conversations between two characters about a third character uh, who is often not present because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that can reveal a lot of backstory. Um, if you have like someone who's kind of new on the scene and someone who's known this third character for like a long time, have a chat about that person kind of in a gossipy kind of way, I guess, but not really such a negative light necessarily. I enjoy using this technique to reveal like specific qualities about the third character, which they'd never say themselves. So sometimes it can be quite complimentary kind of things or to reveal trauma that the other character has gone through and doesn't want to revisit. So, you know, you can for the third character, you can kind of see in the actions and stuff that this trauma has happened, but sometimes using two other characters having a conversation about that character to reveal what the trauma actually is can be helpful for the readers. And they can be like, oh, so that's why when this thing was mentioned, that character went all quiet or something like that, you know? And then lastly, internal monologue and thoughts, especially if you're writing in first person, Yep. So like something that will spark a memory or the character will draw comparisons between a current situation and then something that happened in the past. I think especially like drawing comparisons because we as humans do it all the time in our day-to-day life. Like if you're like that can come across as a really natural way of weaving in backstory. That's probably my favorite way of doing it. Like the memory trigger with internal monologue or just like a little tiny piece of exposition about it it's probably my favorite way of like when you need to bring something in but it's like really hard to just have it come up in like conversation because it seems a bit natural and you don't want a whole flashback about this random thing I quite like being able to just kind of in one sentence kind of bring it in I think it really helps with those smaller details because you're not gonna like in in your day-to-day life and, and you don't want to like insert too many like ordinary occurrences kind of thing, but 
you do need a, a little kind of sprinkling of that ordinary occurrences of like what the character enjoys, what kind of means something and like just little splashes of detail and something that's not like a big life event necessarily that's happened, but like a little memory that kind of means something for the character. I think mm-hmm. comparisons can be a good way to bring those in. I think it works specific, like, and specifically really well for the ancient Greece book with Simon being able to like pull, yes, you know, comparison from the past into to like with what he's familiar with back in the present day. That's probably I find a really effective way, like yeah. through lots of different things and being able to bring that in because otherwise it's quite hard because otherwise you feel like you're just otherwise dumping I guess backstory in Mm -hmm. yeah because he can't talk to anyone about it really yeah uh, when he's in the past so you need some way to bring it in without it being too intrusive I guess how about you did you have anything else that you tend to use or not really I as I mentioned the using the memory triggers that we've just talked about and definitely dialogue I think is my favorite if you know, if it works. Yeah. Especially when you can accompany the dialogue with, I guess, with their thoughts on the side, you know, so someone says something and then they think something else and kind of being able to drop bits of backstory in that way. I quite like doing that. It's fun dropping in backstory, like especially when you know you have to drop some backstory, like, because usually in a chapter, you know, you need to drop certain things in Mm -hmm. and it's quite fun being like, oh, how am I going to do that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I kind of like, I mean, I find it challenging when you have those situations where it is maybe a slower paced chapter and, you know, you're having a bit of break from the high action or something and you then like to slow it down and stuff to bring in like a bit of backstory and a few comparative memories about what's going on now, what happened in the past. I do find it challenging to sometimes rack my brain and be like, okay, so what kind of thing can they relate to here? And like (laughs) inventing like a random situation that may have occurred or something that draws a parallel with the present moment. (laughs) Sometimes that can be challenging, but I feel like it also, yeah, it just builds those little details and makes the character feel a little bit more real. Definitely. Yeah. So for the next part, I I had a quote that I thought led into the next little sort of discussion that we're going to have quite well. So it's uh, from Stephen King's On Writing, A Memoir of the Craft. So the quote is, the most important things to remember about backstory are that A, everyone has a history, and B, most of it isn't very interesting. Stick to the parts that are and don't get carried away with the rest. Life stories are best received in bars and only then um, an hour or so before closing time, and if you are buying. So I thought this, it led quite well into the next two points that we're going to talk about, which is some of the problems or issues or things people might do that, you know, uh, with respects to backstory, that can be a bit of a problem. So the first one is, why is too much backstory a problem when you're writing? So Like the quote that Ashley just read, too much backstory is an issue because a lot of it isn't very interesting, if we're honest. And when you think of events that have happened in your own life, you generally don't count those day-to-day occurrences 
unless they hold some special significance. And this should be true for your character as well. So the audience doesn't need to know things like the character's favorite color, which is interestingly, like just sort of going sideways (laughs) here. I see this a lot on like character sheets people have made up where it'll be like character's favorite color, character's favorite food. Like these kind of things you really don't need to know or show. Like, I couldn't tell you Lizzie's favorite color, to be honest. Maybe it's black. Who knows? (laughs) But that's only because. Does she have a favorite color? The only reason I say that is because, you know, I know she seems like that sort of personality and they wear a lot of black. (laughs) But I don't really know. I don't really care too much either, to be honest. Um, And I'm sure people reading the book probably don't really care that much. Because the fact is that, you know, these things detract from your plot and the things that you want to stick to are things that directly compare to the current situation. So like we've already talked about comparisons or things that influence their choices. So their life events and the things that shape their current worldview. So for me, like those three things are the main things that are relevant when you're trying to choose what backstory to put in. How about you, Ashley? Well, I was taking a slightly different tack. I was thinking about like, you know, backstory is not particularly interesting. And I was trying to think about why that's a problem. And I think it's because it ruins the pace. (laughs) So when you, if you're inputting large chunks of backstory, I think it ends up slowing the pace um, of, of your novel and ends up bogging the reader down a bit. And I actually had this problem recently in one of our novel critique sessions a few this is why it's quite interesting because half of the group didn't find this an issue but the other half did so I was like (laughs) maybe I should fix it (laughs) it was literally 50 50 split on who found anyways the issue was I felt like in the middle of my chapter there was too much exposition and too much information dumping that ruined the flow and made the readers bored and they were like oh you should inject you know some humor or maybe you should inject some action there and I was like oh they don't really want to do that because it's not really the point but it is something that I will go back over and look through what is necessary and what isn't necessary and see if I can sort of cut it back a bit to make it less information and boring Definitely more of a challenge when you're writing something like a historical fiction book. Yeah, yeah. And that was something they pointed out that someone was like, because of for the two people that had some issues with it, they were like, well, this isn't your usual type of book that you would read, though. And I was yeah. like, that is kind of a good point. So one of those. Anyways, I've gone way off track. But <laughs> it slows. I think the problem is it slows the pace of the story, uh, generally speaking. So too much of it can be a problem because of that and this brings uh kind of flows nicely into some tips for authors to try and get a good balance between the too much backstory and then too little backstory which I guess is also a problem as well if you don't put the right things in place so Sarah so like I said you know um sticking to the elements that I named in the last question will go a long way towards finding the right balance And so it's the important things that matter. And I think about just for an exercise, you know, I think about the stuff that matters most to you and why those things matter. And can you tie it back to some favorite memories? Um, What are the events that shaped your beliefs? 
If you're able to tie these questions back to specific events and memories in your life, those are the things that should be revealed in backstory. And now all you've got to do is the same with your character. (laughs) How about you, Ashley? I also thought about relating it to the things in the prior question. So my tip was to try and balance the pacing um, because not always, but often when you're putting in backstory, it can be slower. Um, You can use it to your advantage to break up particularly action-packed sequences when you need a bit of a breather. So that's one tip I would have. Obviously don't go from like full noise to like, awkward backstory dump like obviously there's a balance but I think you can use it to your advantage if you need you know a calmer patch and my second tip would be mostly just edit like we were saying before uh you know after your first draft it's likely you're going to find that you've either packed your story full of way too much backstory or maybe there's not enough backstory so I think it's important to kind of go over all of those pieces and have a look, you know, is there enough? Is there not enough? What can I cut? And if I cut it, does the reader really need to know this information and have a bit of a think about that? I think that can really help you get the right balance throughout your book. I also think using beta readers can be very advantageous for this. Yes, Like if you have a beta reader and they get to a point in the book and they're like, I'm a bit confused here. Like why someone so would do that or you know like this to me doesn't make much sense you're like oh but that's because of something 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 well have you said that earlier on because if you haven't relayed that like sometimes you can have this information about the character in your head and you can be like oh yeah they made that decision because of xyz that happened in their past But if the reader doesn't have that information, then it can be confusing for them. So pick up on the points where your reader gets confused and then kind of work out why the reader is confused at that point. Like maybe you haven't outlined something as strongly as what you should have. That's a good, that's a good tip. Yeah. We've definitely had some instances where things have been picked up that they're confused about this, especially, especially with the backstory of our villain in when the rain falls I think yeah a lot of questions about like this doesn't make any sense and then we ended up going back and fixing some of the motives and you know things like that which helped a lot made it go a long way to alleviating that to some extent yeah so it's definitely definitely helpful to listen to what your what your beta readers say As a final point, I thought we could talk about some of the common mistakes that authors make when trying to relay backstory uh, in their novels. So definitely putting in too much, especially at the start of the story. Like I was saying a bit earlier on, uh, you really need to be developing momentum and interest at the start of the story rather than revealing the character's life story. And in my opinion, the start of the story should almost do the opposite of what you want backstory to do. So I would hold back most of the backstory until you have developed enough mystery and intrigue and then slowly let the key elements of the backstory drip in as details become pertinent to the plot. And so not like, I mean, sometimes you can set it up a little bit prior by adding in, you know, something that happened to the character in their past and then later on having something that relates to that 
but it kind of depends what it is, especially for the stuff that's a little bit smaller and not as necessary to the plot. Like that stuff you really do want to be dripping in only as you need it. More key significant events that have happened in a character's life, like, you know, some major trauma or someone dying or something that's caused like a big fear. Sometimes you can insert those in a little bit earlier on. But yeah, as a general rule, work in backstory as you need it, not all at once in a massive chunk at the beginning. I agree. (laughs) Oh, and I was just going to say there's also, as we alluded to at the start, um, is the mistake of doing the opposite, which, you know, we discussed at the beginning of this episode where you know, readers are people and people are always looking to make connections and to understand others. So give them the opportunity to do that unless you want bored readers and flat characters. (laughs) That sounded like a threat. (laughs) (laughs) You better put in some backstory. (laughs) Your characters will be boring and flat. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) How about you, Ashley? Did you have anything to add on that? Um, Mine were very similar. So the first one is info dumping, which I think can come in two forms. One where you literally just like start like chucking in tons of backstory and like a big lump, but also, which is what I think we used to do a little bit um, when we were teenagers is you like fixate on like one part of the backstory and then you go on for like two pages about this like one specific event um that happened in their life you know it kind of goes on and on and on which both of which I don't think are helpful I <laughs> think there's a right <laughs> amount I'm just remembering um like your description when you were going through when the rain falls in one of our first drafts of the current version where <laughs> Ashley was like, there's so much like internal like monologue, or not even internal <laughs> monologues, like just these random like monologues that would like happen. <laughs> yes. Yes. And usually it'll be about something that happened. Like, I remember when blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, this is still going. Um, <laughs> so this yeah. memory really had an impact on them. Yeah. They're going to go on for, for about it for a whole chapter. <laughs> so yeah, I think those are like, like two elements of info dumping, which maybe don't do either of them. Let's just go with that. Um, And the other, I think, is trying to cram in too much backstory, which also from when we were teenagers, you would do, well, like we would do, where you have an event happening and then you try and like sandwich all these different like parts of backstory around it to like try and, you know, reason their reactions when just like one example would be fine. Yeah. So yeah, those would be my two, my two things. Mostly because we used to do it, and it annoyed me when I was editing. <laughs> I was going to say that as sort of one last thing, while we're talking about backstory, a similar thing, not exactly the same, is exposition, as we kind of alluded to in one of the when we were talking about Ashley's chapter that was recently cr- mm-hmm. critiqued. It wasn't so much backstory. It was more exposition about like an event that had happened in the past that needed to be known, not specifically related to, well, it did relate to the character, but it was more like a global kind of event than yeah. something that was a personal event. And so what would you say about 
working in exposition in general? Do you have any tips on that? Because exposition can be a little bit tricky. Yeah. Can be a little bit different from backstory in the way that characters don't always relate personally to it. So it doesn't always come up naturally. Yeah. So the other the other issue with it is it's hard to have a discussion with another character that often brings out the exposition because usually like in this case everyone should know it (laughs) you know what I mean and it happened a while ago so you don't it wouldn't be natural to just recount all the past you know recount these events or you have a discussion about it one when it was like ages ago in the past and two everyone would be probably well aware of it and would have discussed it back then yeah you know so so for exposition I kind of generally, because obviously this chapter was an exception, I usually try and like, I guess, intersperse it kind of like I do with like memories or memory triggers, you know, like someone will say something and then another character will like in their mind describe it a little bit more. Yeah. Like I remember this blah, blah, blah. And then the conversation will like continue on if that makes any sense. Well, that's what I was going to say. Just as I'm talking about this, like a couple of methods has occurred to me where often, yeah, if you can, if you have a character, which you really should because it should relate to your plot. um, But if you have a character who was present at the event or around the time of the event, if you turn it from exposition into a memory, um, like I think you can sometimes get across, like in our case, we're trying to get across quite a political situation. But if you turn it into like a memory of like kind of what's going on, then your readers, they might not necessarily grab the full extent of it, um, but they don't need to do that all at once anyways. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's mainly just trying to get the general impression across of where each character kind of is sitting currently related to the state of affairs that or whatever event and exposition that you have in the past but I also would encourage people to think about non-conventional methods of bringing exposition in if you really need to I was thinking for our book actually it might make sense to have our characters in the present occasionally like stumble across stuff from the past mm-hmm. if we add a little bit of that in it might add a little bit more depth and less work to do for the characters <laughs> from the past as you were speaking about oh it's hard to do this I was like ah yes but we also have characters in the present so maybe we can relate that somehow that, yeah that might be helpful although obviously this is not going to be helpful for like a random person who's <laughs> in, in our audience who's looking for ways to add exposition if they're not doing like a present past <laughs> kind of story but you know like there's things like diary entries I guess there's also the option of a prologue right yeah And prologues, yeah, often go a long way towards providing the sort of background setting situation, which I know quite a few books that do this, where they'll have like a long prologue that kind of details the events of the past and where they are so that then they can continue their story. Although I do advise against making that prologue too long because (laughs) I was quite into this ancient Greece series that I was reading by a guy called Christian Cameron and his first few books I found like they were really great and then the prologue of like the fourth book when I recently tried to read it it was so long that I was like I didn't really come into this like wanting to read you know like this entire book on history 
Like, if I wanted to do that, a 20 page prologue, I would have, you know, like gotten something out from like a non fiction book. So, you do need to be careful on how long your prologue is, but it is an option. <laughs> Did you have anything else you want to add about exposition? No, I think nope. that covers everything that I can think of. I'm sure there's much <laughs> the more. I feel like that's like we're quite adept at weaving in backstory. I feel like we're getting to grips with learning how to weave an exposition, especially when it's a more complicated topic than what our young adult books have been. So we're still developing in that front. And yeah, so I hope it's been helpful. If it hasn't, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) we're still trying to get to grips with that one ourselves. But I thought I'd throw it in there as an interesting question. It was an interesting question. I think people will have gotten something from it. At least they'll be like, mm, maybe they'll be in the same boat as us or maybe they'll be able to give us some tips. <laughs> yeah. If you have tips for us, then please let us know. Get in contact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shall we move on to mistakes of the month? Yes, we certainly can. Alrighty. Did you have any, Sarah? Do you want to go first? I just had one and it wasn't so much as a mistake as something that just sounds quite funny. So... Butchered by Lysander's sword, Acastus's feet had become motionless chunks of meat. <laughs> Spot it the rhymes. problem with that one. <laughs> I feel like the Acastus's feet also like has like a flow. Like it's not even it's just that it rhymes. It. It's like that there's a rhythm. Acastus's feet had become motionless chunks of meat. Like <laughs> it's That's amazing. It doesn't only rhyme, it also just has this perfect rhythm. <laughs> That's so good. You can enter so. into a poetry competition. <laughs> so that one, it's kind of funny. But yeah, so that was the one that I had. How about you, Ashley? Um, I have a few. The first one's a bit eh, but I put it in anyways. So it goes, is that how you feel? Leontiades asked, trying to keep his vice level instead of voice. <laughs> And I'm not Sounds sure like he's in a woodworking <laughs> shop I know. or something. It does. Um, for the next two, I'm not sure which is my favorite. So the first one is a hilarious autocorrect. So Lemonade knew Megary was trying to sound strong, but the subtle quivering in Megary's voice betrayed her fragility. So it was meant to be Leontiades, not Lemonade. Lemonade. So I don't. I must have really butchered that one. Can that be his nickname now? <laughs> Lemonade, yeah. I like that as a little nickname for him. Lemonade. Lemonade. <laughs> My last one is one that has multiple levels of things that have gone wrong. So the sentence is, the smell of smoke from acidity being raised. So, um, and raised is in R-A-I-S-E-D. The actual sentence was supposed to be the smell of smoke from a city being raised and raised spelt R-A-Z-E-D. I love that raised and raised. I mean, let's let's put aside the city thing for a minute. <laughs> that raised and raised as an S-E-D and an Z-E-D are almost the complete opposite when you think <laughs> yes. about it. It's like one's going up into the air and others being like crushed out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Demolished. <laughs> Then the hilarious acidity versus acidity. Yeah. (laughs) So I think I like the lemonade one best, but the other one like just cracked me up just because it was just so much wrong. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I just love that it's such a simple mistake and some like one that probably people make quite a lot 
because it's a very similar word with raised and raised. But <laughs> yes. It's great that they've actually got like opposite meanings. I've never That's even great. thought about that. They're on the same opposite meanings. Oh, hilarious. Anyways, we should probably round this up. Yep. So if you would like to be on our author spotlight series, then you can apply by going to lindersoncreations.com and hovering your mouse over the podcast tab in the main menu, which will give you a drop down to be featured on Dear Writer. And next time on Dear Writer, it's another one of our culture and creativity episodes where we talk about some of the some techniques that we can use to help us be more creative. And if you'd like to know any more about us or any of our writing projects, you can visit us at lindersoncreations.com or get in contact with us on Facebook or Instagram under the handle Lindison Creations. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Tell your friends about us and we'll be back next week. Happy writing, everyone. <laughs>